0: Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Jazz pianist and singer-songwriter Ben Sidron has played with or produced artists as diverse as Mose Allison and Diana Ross, and has a string of his own recordings as vocalist and pianist. Ben also holds a Ph.D. in American Studies. Ben combined his interest in American history, jazz, and his curiosity about his own Jewish identity in his new book, There Was a Fire, Jews, Music, and the American Dream, a fascinating study of the enormous Jewish contribution to popular music and how and why that developed. Today is the second half of my conversation with Ben about his long career and this new book. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. Ben and I recorded this conversation in New York City in May 2019. Here's Ben on back nine from his CD, Don't Cry for No Hipster.
1: Made my way to the back nine. They call me the Iron Man. Watching out for the sand traps. Formulating my plan out on the back nine. I know how to do my thing. I traded in the five spot for a new kind of club, but I still mean. Life ain't nothing but fine out on a back night. Laying back on a back night, the hustle is still my thing. Driving for show in a hole for dough, you know they call me the rhythm king. Out on a back nine It's a hazard just to be a life Still having fun with the old pitch and run Now the score ain't nothing but jive Got the bird on my mind Having a ball on the back nine I got the view from the clubhouse turned Just running changes on the drive Life ain't
0: nothing but fine. Ben Sidrin from his CD, Don't Cry for No Hipster. In Ben's book, There Was a Fire, Jews, Music, and the American Dream, Ben addresses the complicated connection between African Americans and Jewish Americans.
1: Very powerful story. You know, blacks and Jews... uh, have so much in common. And to me, one of the greatest tragedies of the 20th century is the falling out between the blacks and Jews, particularly after 1968 and uh, the whole black power movement. And uh, uh, I I see that as a great, great tragedy. Um, You know, African-Americans were were some of the first Americans. And uh, some of the first uh, popular music in America was minstrelsy, which was invented by the Irish... Uh, at a time in early New York when the Irish were competing uh, with blacks for jobs. And, and so minstrelsy was a way of saying, well, uh, because the Irish were thought of as the blacks of Europe, you know, the blacks of, of Britain. So uh, they understood a little bit about the black experience, and they wanted to distance themselves from American blacks. For, 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 and keep in mind that uh, during the 19th century, you know, all immigrants would make fun of themselves first before somebody else could make fun of them. Everybody was making fun of everybody. It was, it was a, it, there was no political correct, correctness as, as there is today. And when the Jews showed up, the Jews really showed up in numbers, uh, starting in 1880 and through 1920, a couple of million Jewish immigrants came to the United States. And when they got here, minstrelsy was already in place, but so, uh, were great black composers and pianists and everything. I mean, it wasn't the raw American culture uh, of the nineteenth century it was it was becoming sophisticated, and one of the things that the Jews did immediately, of course, you know they fell into the minstrelsy and, and popular music, but they they were writing songs that instead of um, painting uh black culture as uh hypersexualized or fools you know the the the, the minstrelsy thing. They painted black culture uh, as similar to the Jewish culture, coming out of pogroms, coming out of uh, uh, the biblical slavery, uh, as, as seeing the South as longing for a homeland. I mean, my God, both Gershwin and uh, Berlin wrote songs about the Swanee River, it included the lyrics, Swanee River, it, because of Stephen Foster, of course, who was white, but he, who idealized the South. In fact, the Suwannee River is a little stream in Florida. <laughs> really, it's not a river. There's no levees, none of that stuff. But uh, these Jews who came, they, they were romanticizing this. So the first thing that the blacks and Jews had in common was the sense of being outside, wanting to to come in, being uh, <laughs> having a sense of home and humor, I think, are the two strongest connections, this love of family and this laughing in the face of of tragedy, right? Um, So throughout the 20th century, well, let let, let me back up by saying, here's one story that is a metaphor for the relationship of blacks and Jews in the 20th century. It's the story of Louis Armstrong. Okay, this is the one powerful metaphor. The the, uh, received wisdom is that Louis Armstrong... Uh, got his first trumpet in the orphan's home in New Orleans and uh, uh, was on the streets by himself and ran into Buddy Bolden. And the next thing you knew, he became the father of, of modern jazz. And it's just not true. The truth is that Louis Armstrong, as a young boy, was on a street corner in New Orleans, hanging out with other little kids. His parents were gone. He was raising himself practically. And a Jewish family, the Karnowskys, had a junk wagon and they came by and they fell in love with this little kid and they put him on the junk wagon. They took him home on Friday night. He, the, Armstrong himself says the first music he ever heard was Mrs. Karnowsky singing the Russian lullaby to her, to her baby. Uh, the first horn Louis Armstrong ever got was a little tin trumpet that the Karnowskys had him blow to attract uh, people it was a junk wagon to come out and bring bring your scraps to to us uh they fronted him the the money for his first real trumpet armstrong said that you know he's uh, thought of as the father of scat singing because the story goes the music fell off the stand the lyrics fell off the stand when he was singing heebie-jeebies so he just started saying anything armstrong in his biography says that's not true he said the idea of scat singing came from listening to the Jews Davening. He said, but he never wanted to say that for fear that the people would think he was making fun of the Jews. Hey,
2: I've got the heeby, I mean the Talk the Boy, chase it with a little bit of joy. Say, hey, don't you know it? Do 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 not feel blue. Someone will teach you. Come on and do that dance. They call the Heebie Jeebies dance. Yes, madam father Papa's got the Heebie Jeebies dance. And he's got Keep jeebies, jeebies outside. Do 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 do
1: There's a lot of subtext Mm -hmm. in the relationship of blacks and Jews in America. And now when you go and you read about how a lot of uh, black musicians were exploited during the 30s and 40s and 50s by some real rough gangster type Jews who started these independent record labels, and it's true, there's no denying it. But the broader vision is these people didn't just cheat the blacks. They cheated everybody. There was no money. This wasn't a business. These guys just came out of the injection molding business. The guys who started record labels made toilet seats before they made records. You know, I mean, this was not a business. So you have to look at the arc of the relationship of blacks and Jews and see that the Jews from the beginning— overwhelmingly were concerned about social justice. They referred to, like I say, lynchings in the South, black lynchings, as pogroms. They understood the narrative of slavery personally. Uh, And as I say, for me, the greatest tragedy of the 20th century is the separation of the oneness of that experience. (laughs)
2: Ba 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 ba
0: I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with Ben Sidrin about his book, There Was a Fire, Jews, Music, and the American Dream. Ben feels the Jewish experience is the American experience in so many ways, feeling like an outsider and working hard to find where you fit in.
1: This brings up the story of Mez Mesro.
0: Absolutely. Right. One Where, of the most interesting people in the right. jazz
1: world. One of the most interesting people. The Mighty Mez. The Mighty Mez. And of course, the Mighty Mez got his nickname because he was a pot connection to Louis Armstrong and everybody else, and he had the best pot. But aside from that, Mez came up in this Chicago environment, Milton Mesro, this Jewish guy, and he was a player. He could play. But what happened was he fell in love with the, the, the black music scene in Chicago uh, to the point where, I mean, I, I tell the story about hearing a Horace Silver record and thinking I was related somehow yeah, to these yeah, musicians. Yeah, well, I feel I was
0: related to Basie, so right. it's the same thing.
1: Well, Mez took it a step further. He, uh, as a young musician, at one point he got arrested, and when uh, they threw him in jail, he insisted, back then jails were segregated, he insisted on being put in the, in, in the black side. He said, no, I'm black. And they put him over, and he said, thank you very much. He, he lived the life of a, of a black person in the United States. He moved to Harlem. He married a black woman. He, uh, and he did it because of what we're talking about, this idea of social justice, the idea of closeness, the idea of love, really. I mean, I remember when I was coming up, a black musician encouraging me, and when, my, when I said to him, thank you, he said to me, you know, my love is deeper than that. Mm. And it really moved me. No white musician ever said that to me.
0: Right, right. And that is true. And I think that's that thing you're talking about, about relating with it and seeing the deeper meaning. Right. That's why I think I got the support from those men.
1: Well, because they come from the struggle and you were coming from the struggle.
0: Absolutely. Although the outside world would think, what on earth could they does have, a surfer girl could have, they have in common? In common? Right.
1: But but they have everything in common. Right. And and music is the litmus test, really.
0: Mm.
1: It's the litmus. You passed the test. You played. So everything changes then. And that's the beauty of this music. You know, there's no discussing it, really. It, it, it's, it says everything. And from there, the conversation right, begins. Right,
0: right. Because I remember years ago thinking I was, when we're all so nervous, we're playing with different people we really admire. And I was in the middle, you know, I played my solos. And uh, one of the guys looked over and smiled at me, and it just it hit me right then. I thought, why do I ever worry about this? Because I'm naked once I play anyway. Anyway, they know everything. That's exactly right. So good or bad. <laughs>
1: Oh, own it.
0: Own it. Own it. It's, which is great because a lot of businesses aren't like that.
1: Oh, most businesses are, they exact, aren't. They are not exactly. They aren't. And definitely
0: it. entertainment business. My yeah. my metaphor is always no amount of lighting is going to make you sound better.
1: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful.
0: That's it's really, right. Because I did the Hollywood thing for a while. And one of the reasons I like the jazz world better is because you went in, you you looked the, the beast in the face and you either represented or you didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's a really beautiful thing. It is. Mesro and his swing band on "Mutiny in the Parlor." You brought me "Don't Cry for No Hipster."
1: Don't cry for no hipster.
0: I love the cover too. It's so beautiful. It's very Richard Williams or Saul Bass. It's really you nailed it. It's so beautiful and elegant. And nobody hipper than Saul Bass or Richard Williams. So, but you your liner notes. We talk about that a lot on the show, too, how those of us who love liner notes are so thrilled when someone writes them, because so few people do anymore. Mm. But you talk about what it means to be hip, which is a very hard thing to describe, because once you describe it and think you're hip, you're not hip.
1: Exactly right.
0: And this song that you wrote, talk about this. I just, I I love the tune, I love the concept of the CD, all of it, and you're, one of the hippest people I've ever met, Ben. Oh. So, but talk about that, because I think people wonder, what do they mean
1: by right. that? Um, well, we can go quote the liner notes afterwards, but the fact of the matter is that song came from me sitting at the piano and this line, don't cry for no hipster, he knew what he signed up for. I was feeling old. I was feeling, boy, I remember when I was 21 years old, There was no question in my mind who I wanted to be, what side of the fence I was on. I wanted to be one of these guys. I wanted to be a guy more than I wanted to do anything else. And so the lyrics are, don't cry for no hipster. He knew what he signed up for, the look and the feel, the rundown appeal, the passing ship, the distant shore. There's a sense of exploration and longing. Uh, Don't cry for no hipster. He saw the writing on the wall and it gave him hope. Just another slippery slope a deeper truth he can't recall. There's some mystery going on here that you accept and you sign up for, even though it can lead you into places that you might not be comfortable with. You know, you got a shot, you're on this planet for X number of years, you take it. That's what the hip ethic used to be. Now, of course, the the idea of a hipster can mean anything to anybody. It means so many different things. Uh, The bridge, when young becomes old and cool turns to cold, that's when we'll see if the truth set him free. I was thinking about so many of my friends who started out on fire and then burned out too early. They didn't have the the long view. They didn't see this, what I consider the the hipster mentality. For me, that goes back to Lord Buckley and Ken Nordine and Phil Woods and all of these these great people who were self-invented people who were Defined not just by their success, but by their intellect and how they placed it. I mean, Phil Woods would always talk about the bus and and how important it was to to get your musical education on the bus. And what he was saying is, this is an oral tradition. Yes, you can learn the notes. Yes, you can learn the harmony. But we're talking about telling a story. You really don't have a story to tell unless you've lived a particular life. And uh, the life is kind of the life that was defined by being hip, but this is 50 years ago. No, don't cry for no hipster He knew what he signed up for The Look on the field that run-down appeal The passing ship The distant shore Now don't cry for no hipster He saw the writing on the wall Gives him hope, just another slippery slope. A deeper truth he can't recall. And when young becomes old, cool turns to cold. That's when we'll see if the truth set him free until then don't cry for no hipster he had his day he had his night let's call it what it is in a life like his It's usually wrongs that make it right so hip It's like waiting for a ship That don't never come in But check out his grin Don't cry for him No, don't cry for no hipster He's got his hat, he's got his cane And in a world so square With disasters everywhere If you can laugh at life you're through But if you have to cry If you have to cry then make it tears of joy Because he's here and then he's gone And gone is one thing he can do
0: Ben Sidgerton on the title tune from his CD, Don't Cry For No Hipster. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at stridequeen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production, not funded by NPR. We're funded primarily by your donations. So please visit jazzinspired.com to chip in. No gift is too small. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. My guest is singer-songwriter-author Ben Sidrin. We discussed what it means to be excited about the work not about being famous, and not to get all highfalutin. I have trouble even calling myself an artist because it's I become like such a no. I don't like it becomes. So I'm an artiste and all of that.
1: No, I don't and, believe. You know what? I don't believe in this artist. This whole artist. Well, you know what thing. Charles
0: Eames said about that. No, when somebody said to him, they said, "Well," he said, "What do you do?" He said, "I'm an artist." He said, "Isn't that for someone else to decide?"
1: <laughs> That's for sure.
0: <laughs> and. And that can apply to anything. And I loved it in your lyric. When you get older... And you're really looking at that's
1: this. when we'll see if the truth set him free. There's a funny line, you know. I knew I wasn't going to make any money. I just didn't know how hard I was going to have to work. <laughs> yes,
0: that's what it is. Because I knew
1: there wasn't no a bunny in it.
0: No, because you don't. You're not. You don't know what that means. I remember when we all tur- When we were all my little gaggle of guys, we were all 39. Hmm. And I was. I always say I'm the pig who built in brick. Hmm. I was the only one that was saying, shouldn't we get health insurance? And everybody was, eh, why are you thinking about that, Judy? But we should have gotten health, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. things like that. That's what you're not thinking about.
1: Well, and Phil Woods again, my guru re- referred to it as being a jazz warrior.
0: It, it is it's, it's, absolutely.
1: It's, you are either on the bus or you're off the bus, and you and and. But this is the human experience, and this is why jazz is so powerful because it really does speak to the life experience. It's not an art, right? It's not even a craft. It's a way to live your life. It's, uh, John Hendricks said it. You know, everything you do can swing. The way you walk down the street can swing. The way you hold a baby can swing. A swing isn't just something that happens two hours a night when you're on the stand. Jazz is just like a metaphor, you know?
0: Absolutely. That's I completely it agree.
1: And sometimes I think about this, you know, the word jazz, maybe it's 110 years old. Originally, maybe it meant sexual intercourse. Jazz was a verb, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the music... And the way jazz uh, brings people together and represents it it has to be thousands of years old. Mm. What we're doing is very, very old. Uh, What we're in touch with, what it does, you know, it's quite possible that music uh, predated speech. And the research is when they went into these caves in France, you know, where the paintings on the wall 40,000 years ago, they found flutes, musical instruments on the floor of those caves. And the flutes were tuned to the pentatonic scale, which is the blues scale. That's a fact, yeah. They're made out of bird bones. That means they were playing a blues 40,000 years ago in a cave. So what we're talking about is not fashion. We're talking about something that's profoundly human, and it's just an iteration. This is something. And, uh, you know, them that knows don't talk, and them that talks don't know. Now I might be wrong, but it sure seems to me The past ain't what it was The future ain't what it used to be Everywhere I go
2: I hear people
1: say Man, you should have been here yesterday You should have been here Before the fall Now it's the price of everything And the value of nothing at all I could be wrong but I think those days are gone the past ain't what it was and the future won't be here long now we're all just the sons of the dark bones waiting in the water of the infinite flow And every time you take a look There's another dead guy in your address book Where have all the good ones gone? Why did they leave us here to carry on? I might be wrong But everywhere I go Them that knows don't talk And them that talks don't know If silence is the answer What could the question be? I might be wrong But that's how it seems to me sons of the Dharma bones, Waiting in the water of the infinite flow And every time we turn a page another actor leaves the stage Where have all the good ones gone? Why did they leave us here to carry on? I might be wrong but everywhere I go Them that knows don't talk and them that talks don't If silence is the answer What could the question be? I might be wrong But that's how it seems to me We watch as time passes Then so do we So do we So do So
0: Big influences singing.
1: Uh, that's a, well, Mose Allison first of all, uh, because and Bob Dylan. I mean, both of them came along in uh, a time of my life when I needed encouragement. I didn't. I wasn't born with a beautiful voice, but I was born with a beautiful voice, you know. So how do I find the beauty in my voice, and how do I find a way to present that? And I did uh, through their encouragement. Mm-hmm. Uh, John mm-hmm. Hendricks, of course, because of the ar- articulate a way he, he could talk about everyday life. I mean, my goodness. Um, Louis Jordan, loved his I voice. Love Fats Louis Waller. Louis Jordan. You oh, know.
0: Those guys talk about swinging. They're just everything they did was swinging. Everything
1: they did could swing. Just Louis looking Prima. at him.
0: Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. That, that, those are the kind of vocalists. And the one thing that, you know, is a common thread through them is they, they bring you joy. They all bring you joy. Even Moe's, you know. Moses once said, You know, people think of me as cynical. I think of myself as the opposite of cynical. Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm. Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm. Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm, and I ain't never done no man no harm. Well, I'm putting that cotton in an 11-foot sack Well, I'm putting that cotton in an 11-foot sack Well, I'm putting that cotton in an 11-foot sack With a 12-gauge shotgun at my back I mean, I think that's a big part of what we're talking about, humor. Uh, we say how hard this life is that we that we yeah. leave.
0: If it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. I was talking to Kurt Elling about this, and I don't know how it came up, but somehow he said something about um, the joy of it and the way you look after a concert. And I said, wait a minute, I want to talk about this, because I noticed first that people would bring someone to the concert and one would be a fan and one wouldn't. And mm-hmm. I could, I'd could, i meet them before the concert and I could tell the person didn't want to be there. They mm-hmm. think they hate jazz, all mm-hmm. that. Then I'd see them afterwards. Not only were they enthusiastic, but weirdly they looked better. They were better looking. Mm-hmm. Their physiognomy <laughs> had changed. All those 300 plus <laughs> muscles in their face was different. Well, then I started noticing that over and over. Then I noticed that my musicians were better looking after the concert. And I thought, now that's really interesting. Then I noticed I was better looking. And that... The music, and this is only within an hour or two that something has happened, but I'm the same person. I haven't gotten more rest, and I haven't had work done on the break. You know, I look better. So I sit at Kurt curtain, and he was hilarious. He goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He goes, I'm even taller yeah. after that. But yeah. don't you see, it, it's the joy does something to you that it really, and it's not just smiling, you see an actual physical change in people's looks. Well, I don't that this think, music is so profound how it changes I don't you. think
1: there's any question about it. I mean, listen, if uh, the experience affects the flow of chemicals through your body yeah. and the hormones and everything, of course you're different. I mean, yeah. it just stands to reason. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, uh, technically, I think every seven years, every cell in our body is recycled. And if we've been listening to jazz for 60 years, that's, that's a lot of influence on who we are physically. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> You brought me some Coltrane after the rain. Talk about Coltrane. Mm.
1: So, of course, uh, he is uh, a great spiritual force (laughs) in my life, as he is in so many people's lives. But it was more than that. When I was in college, I was the uh, jazz critic for the college newspaper. And I specifically remember when uh, a Coltrane record called ballads came out and I wrote a review which was kind of meh you know this isn't up to the man's standards and blah 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 I was probably 20 years old and then two weeks later I was going through a hard period and I was lying on a friend's couch and he put a pair of earphones on my head and he played Coltrane's ballads for me and I broke into tears and I realized uh, first of all uh, how wrong I could be and how uh, being glib, trying to get laid or whatever you're doing when you're 20 years old is, is not an innocent thing and
0: uh, Ooh, I like that, it's not an innocent thing
1: mm-mm. no, the, you're complicit when yes. you're doing that and that I couldn't be that person and that I wasn't going to be that person and the other uh, intersection I had with Coltrane that completely changed me, and was actually the core of the dissertation I wrote. Uh, I, back in the 60s, uh, I was uh, somebody who took a lot of drugs and I had taken LSD one night and I was listening to After the Rain, the Coltrane song. And I heard my mother's voice and I didn't know what that meant how could Coltrane sound like... I heard my mother call me. And uh, so my dissertation uh, was the basis for a book that's available now called Black Talk, or How the Music of Black America Created a Radical Alternative to the Values of a Western Literary Tradition. And it talks about black music as an oral tradition and the voice and the importance of the voice and how it affects perception as opposed to when we read something, we're at a distance from it. But when we hear something, we're at one with it. And uh, and that was Coltrane led me to a Ph.D. <laughs> I want to say something about the mundane world that, mm. that is overlooked all the time. And, and, you know, especially these days where everybody gets a million likes on Facebook and everybody's trying to be somebody that lives on through the virtual world. In There Was a Fire, I talk about this idea of tikkun olam, which is healing the world, It's a Jewish concept. The, the image is that the world is shattered. The world has become shattered, and it's our job to put it together to reunite the shattered pieces of the world. And that's a metaphor. And it's a metaphor for caring about one another. Uh, uh, Expanding your heart so that it's not just about you and what you have to eat, but uh, being part of a community. Because people are very social animals. You know, one of the reasons we have language in the first place is because we like to live together in groups. We're social animals. Okay, so in the book, I come upon this thought that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference, not caring.
0: I loved that.
1: Right. So I find in an Irving Berlin song or any love song about a boy and a girl holding hands, a moment of tikkun olam, of sharing, of, of healing a shattered world. And the reason I say that is because when a boy and a girl holds hands, and of course that's the basis for 99% of all the popular music ever written, it's an example of caring. In that little mundane moment, when you reach out for somebody's hand and they take your hand, that's a moment of caring. And in that little mundane moment is is the universe really caring. And so just like that is an example, uh, everything we do as we said John Hendricks says everything we do can swing, but more than that, every little we th- thing we do leads us to be who we are. We don't wake up one day a changed person because God visited us in the middle of the night. We wake up every day with ourselves, who we are, because of every little thing we've done. So it behooves us along the way to be conscious Uh, And to try to, you know, keep your foot on the path. And that's why when we talk about this is the long march we're on. This is not something that, you know, is a frivolous thing. The the, the jazz message is exactly this. Jazz musicians were about Tuesday night in a club in Toledo. It's not Carnegie Hall on July 4th. Can you go into that club on Tuesday night and call the spirit down and change the way people look and the way feel in spite of the fact that you're going to have trouble getting paid afterwards? (laughs) Right?
0: No, it's exactly right. I'm just... I'm I'm laughing because I'm thinking I'm thinking about the Chinese restaurant I worked in Cleveland, yeah, and it wound up being one of the best gigs I've had yep. I've ever had. You know, so you never know with that either. You never know it's why all you about, come. It's all about showing up. Isn't that the truth? You, it really is. You don't know
1: why you come until after it's over, until, and then you go, "Oh, that's why I came." That's
0: why I came. But you have to go in there with with an open mind. Yeah. and I. And it's not
1: easy. It's, it's not, not easy, easy for us. It's no. not easy for anybody. We're con- Like you say, it's a constant reinvention. Well,
0: and that's why I love you talking about that, because I get impatient with people who who just think it's all terribly romantic, yeah. and you're so lucky. Yeah, if I hear right. that another time, yeah. you're so lucky you have this. And when they don't realize that the real work of it is to keep it going and to yeah. keep that positive attitude and... Yeah. Uh, Darling, Love told me you choose not to be bitter. Yes. And I love that phrase. You have to choose not to be bitter. That's but right. that's a metaphor for life. That's right. Because most of the people I know have all had tremendous challenges.
1: So Johnny Griffin said jazz is music made by and for people who have chosen to feel good in spite of conditions.
0: Oh, I love Choice. that. Yeah.
1: He said that on stage one night. I heard him. and I wrote it down. Uh, yeah. You... Uh, you get to invent yourself and the jazz message really, when you think about it, mm. isn't how hip that line you played was. But that note that you didn't intend to play, it's the note after that, your, your sense of recovery. You do something, you're not conscious of it, you're not aware of it, you didn't intend it. Now what? So it's in the recovery, it's in the act of recovery that jazz happens, right? Absolutely.
0: Well, and that's a great metaphor for life. And that's the metaphor because that's life. what it is. Because that's what it is. Yeah, I think about the, as you're saying it, the people that we know, who we've gone to hear, and there's the one that everyone's talking about because they've got all the chops and they're, you know, all of that stuff. But then there's the other guy who doesn't mm-hmm. have that, mm-hmm. but something makes you really love them. That's another great metaphor for life because it's the person that isn't blessed. They don't look like Heidi Klum. Mm-hmm. They didn't get that genetic mm-hmm. pass. And yet they're so beautiful because they're loaded with joy and they're funny and they come in with that spirit and everybody's drawn to them. And then they look at that perfect person. They think, but I don't really want to go approach them yeah. or something. Yeah.
1: Well... Uh, because life's messy. Life is messy. Mm. And and we're here for a minute, you know. That's it.
0: (laughs) We are just here for a minute. (laughs) That's it. Ben.
1: oh judy thank you so nice to see you after these all these years, years
0: i know I, I think i i think mm. it was jazz and live when you mm. had that fabulous show mm. that you interviewed me mm-hmm. and i think i'd only been interviewed once and it was hello what are you doing at the Concord jazz festival and oh, you know a little thing but i think mm. you were my first feature uh, of somebody actually doing a feature on well me.
1: it's only because i heard your record i loved your playing
0: Thank you. And here we are this many years later. Thank you. It's such a great honor. I'm a huge fan. But even beyond that, I admire so much of what you've done in so many different directions, all with such commitment and such love and such accomplishment. It's really wonderful. And I know it all feeds each other. It's kept it all going.
1: Same thing. It's all the kid... Playing boogie woogie, watching the comic book go by—it's the same. It, nothing changed.
0: I love it. I liked Archie too. I have to tell you that was the best part of my piano lessons. <laughs> is that the the son of my piano teacher it
3: had Archie comics. Had Archie comics, and my
0: brother and I used to used to flip a coin on who'd have to take their piano because the piano teacher wasn't that great. Yeah. Who'd take the piano lesson first? And I wanted to get it out of the way so I could read the comics mm-hmm. while Bob took his lessons. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So see, we have huge th- we do have things a lot in common. In common. <laughs> Thank you, Ben.
1: God bless Judy.
0: You've been listening to my conversation with Ben Sidrin. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another celebrated creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Hydeoff. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms or at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was airmail special and the midbreak music is a smooth one. From my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Glory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Page at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York. Serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor Aquaponic Farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit page at sixty three main at open For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stride Queen. For more information, visit JudyCarmichael.com or JazzInspired.com.